you, choir. Thank you so very much, and thank you to my wife, Rebecca, for continuing to do such a wonderful job as our volunteer to the interim music minister, who is Henry Tyson. Henry returning to us next Sunday from his fantastic voyage with his BG. We are soon to see him again. Well, this week in the Hughes household has been a little interesting. We closed on our home in Carrollton. But then we had to move. (laughs) Boxes galore. Thanks be to God for so many of you who have journeyed along with us, making this somewhat painful process enjoyable in its own right. In my wanderings this week, I had a little change of heart. You might notice in your bulletin that the sermon title reads, Climb That Mountain with Jesus. It's a lie. Instead, it needs to be retitled, Walk With Me. Walk With Me. I've certainly done a lot of walking here to Hog Liver Road and back again. It's got my imagination stirring about someone who was very important to me in my ministerial calling. Years ago, I had a friend by the name of Jim Pitts. He was professor of religion and chaplain emeritus at Furman University, my alma mater, Becca's alma mater, as well as my parents who are here today. Jim's life was the church and his passion was Jesus Christ. And for over 30 years, he guided students and faculty alike as they journeyed in their vocation and their calling in life and ministry. One of Jim's favorite methods to engage students and to listen to them actively was to invite them to leave his office or the religion department with the simple question, he would say, will you walk with me? Leaving the buildings and entering into Furman's beautiful campus, they would journey past the fountains, the Rose Garden, the Ivory Bell Tower, one of the many athletic fields. And as they did, the student's soul would begin to breathe and speak forward to the journey it was on. Jim would listen and respond accordingly. Walk with me. I can hear Jim say that to me not very long ago in my own ministerial life. Finally, at the age of 28, I submitted to God's full-time call in my life as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jim, now a retired minister, served in a volunteer capacity at my first church in Easley, South Carolina. And he took great interest and, I dare say, delight in this young minister who didn't know anything but the fact that he had been called to serve the church. So Jim would give me a call since he served in a volunteer role there. Walk with me, David, he would say. No, not around Furman's campus. Jim was far too advanced in age at this point. But walk with me as we talk on the phone. Walk with me as we talk in your office. And Jim's favorite, walk with me as we go to Joe's ice cream parlor and sit around and have 
hot dogs with lots of chili and onions and discuss this journey called ministry. In a moment of walking with Jim Pitts, you gained a lifetime of access into what ministry could and should be. And although it was not always what I wanted to hear, Jim made this solemn vow to me to always speak truth and love to my journey so that I would know that I was called. God did have a plan. Today, this much I can tell you, because I walked with Jim Pitts, I knew and now know today who David Hughes is. And because I walked with Jim Pitts, I now more clearly understand the calling of Jesus Christ on my life as well as the life of others as he calls us to follow him. Walk with me. I can hear Jesus saying it now in my sanctified imagination. The 12 disciples are stirring from a somewhat okay night of sleep. They've just had breakfast, and Jesus looks at the three, Peter and the brothers, James and John. Walk with me, fellas, he says. They get up to rise and follow Jesus. They, representing the inner circle of the larger 12, are willing to follow, but also are wondering where it was Jesus going to. It was James who asked first, where is Jesus going? Peter answered with the, shh, don't question the master. James rolled his eyes at that response. <laughs> Typical Peter, he said. He's such a control freak. This much was true. Peter did not like things outside of his parameters of what was right. Why, just days ago, Jesus' words had irked him terribly. As Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teacher of the law, and he must be killed on the third and on the third day be raised to life. Peter continued to mull over these words in his heart and mind in their walking, saying, this isn't how this is supposed to end. The Messiah is supposed to be crowned king over his enemies, not defeated by him. And what's all this talk about resurrection? I just don't get it. Even Peter in that moment, the one who never liked to admit his doubt in his Lord and Savior, began to wonder, where is Jesus taking us? Tension began to build further as the three now began to engage a climb. Up a mountainside they went, battling loose terrain and now the hot sun that beat down upon them. Then John slipped, taking out James and Peter with him and causing all of their water to spill. 
Look what you did, you big dummy. John said this with a certain level of derision that only can be expressed between brothers. Can't you ever just grow up? James snarled back. Oh, how I would like to punch him square in the mouth right now, he thought. But he resisted because they were with Jesus. Now tired, dirty, and frustrated, the three finally agreed. We have to ask Jesus where we're going. But they made a solemn vow that we will ask Jesus together so that none of us will be an outlier. Okay, John. Okay, James. Okay, Peter. Okay, they agreed. On the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus, where are we going? Jesus paused turned and faced them and said, we're here. They had arrived to the mountaintop and Jesus gave each of them instructions. Here, I want you to pray. I'll be over here and I want you three to go over there. Jesus entered into earnest prayer almost immediately. It was as if he knew something life-altering was about to To happen. Meanwhile, the three tried to put together some prayers, but to be quite honest, they were tired from their journey. And even more so, they were disinterested in prayer at this moment. But still, they gave it their all. Okay, fellas, what was that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Yeah, let's do that one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. Then something woke them from their slumber. Faint voices at first, almost as if whispering, As their sleepy eyes opened, they were instantly blinded by a dazzling light like the flash of lightning. They squinted through the light to see the face of Jesus. As hard it was for toughened men of Galilee to admit the face of Jesus, his skin, his clothing were beautiful. Adorned in the most fantastic light they had ever seen. But not only Jesus, there were two other men talking to them. At first, the three had no clue who these people were until they began to share their stories. One said, I remember climbing a mountain like this called Sinai. It was there that God gave me the Ten Commandments, those things that were supposed to be the law for God's people. James exclaimed, that's that's Moses. Then the other man spoke, I remember at Mount Carmel when the fire from heaven came down and consumed the sacrifice even when the prophets of Baal had doused it with water again and again. 
Peter said, that's Elijah. Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah. Quick, fellas, get some sticks together and some tarps. Let's make this moment last. Let's give them all shelters where they can be more at home. But Peter was mistaken. Because as he started to move and make presentation for a shelter, he listened further. And now, high king of heaven, Moses said to Jesus, you've got your own mountain to climb for your departure is near in Jerusalem. Jesus responded, yes, I know. I don't know if I want to climb that mountain, though. The pain will be great. Elijah responded, yes, the pain will be great, but our heavenly father is always faithful. Even unto death, Jesus asked, knowing the answer, but himself needing reassurance. Yes, they responded, even unto death. With renewed courage, Jesus nodded looking first at Moses, then Elijah, but then heavenward and saying, thy will be done. It was then that the mountain became covered in a heavenly cloud, the face of Jesus radiating evermore as Moses and Elijah bowed and moved into the background. Not being totally disappeared, but instead being overcome by the luminous face of Jesus, which grew brighter and brighter with each and every passing moment. Then a voice, the same voice which spoke over Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan River when his cousin John the Baptist was by his side. It said, Words that Peter, James, and Johns could have understood, yes, in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Latin, but for any other language of the modern world in that time, its power was revealed in truth as much as it was its volume. In fact, its truth is what made it understandable to any human heart, saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen, listen to him. With trembling hearts, they agreed, saying, yes, individually, but then only to realize that their yay and amen joined in with unison to a great heavenly cloud of witnesses who likewise said, yes, Lord, yes, The choir consisted of the enthusiastic proclamation of angels and seraphim and oh so many souls and in fact all of creation. The anthem grew louder and louder and louder until it reached its crescendo and then silence. For once again, on that mountaintop, there was only Jesus, James, John and Peter. The disciples rose and went towards their master. Jesus could see the confusion in their face. He understood. 
It's natural for a human to feel confused when they've had an interaction with the divine. It would take an eternity for them to understand what they had received in just that instant. Jesus wanted to teach, wanted to explain, but he also knew that now redemption, forgiveness, and resurrection were close at hand in Jerusalem. He could not delay. He, they, needed to move now. So with all the tenderness in his heart, Jesus simply looked at them and said, let's not talk about it right now, fellas. Just walk with me. They remembered hearing those same words earlier this morning, but this time their hearts and minds received it differently. For with each step they contemplated the words of universal truth they had heard. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And though the heavenly glow now of transfiguration from that mountaintop dimmed with each passing step, they couldn't help but know that part of that heavenly light would be guarded in their hearts now forever. Now in part, but later to be fully revealed in cross, in crucifixion, in empty tomb, and eventually Holy Spirit. This light would keep them hopeful on hopeless nights. It would instill courage when everything else seemed to fail, and it would let them know that though their flesh and heart may fail, God is the strength of their heart and their portion forever. And such is true, friends, for any and all who walk with Jesus today. For he beckons all, all of us with the same words. Walk with me. Walk with me, Jesus says to me and to you. You and I will wander together, but we will never be at a loss. The pain you will experience will be great, but it isn't for nothing, for I endured the cross. Down through the valleys and up to the mountaintops we will go. In our walking, your heart will be transfigured as the heavenly light will always show. That I am God's chosen son. Listen to me, for the words of life are here to save you. Here in this new beginning and every day through. Walk with me, beloved. Come with me, I pray. You will not regret it, as your faith will reveal each day. My friends, these questions and these questions alone to consider individually and corporately as we conclude. Are you walking with Jesus? Do you want to walk with Jesus? Will you start walking with Jesus today? My dear friend, Dr. Jim Pitts died of COVID-19 in 2020. I grieved his death as you might imagine. 
But what followed was beautiful. Remembrances and tributes flooded the office from letters from former students and colleagues and social media abroad. So much so that a book was made in his memory, a book which I was able to contribute towards. The book was presented to his wife, Nancy, at Pitts' memorial service later that year in Daniel Chapel at Furman University, the same place where Pitts had led countless souls to deeper relationship with Christ. The title of this book, you'll never guess. Appropriately named, it was Walk With Me. Jim's life, transfigured by Jesus Christ. Jim's life, a source of contribution to the transfiguration of others through Jesus Christ. All because a man accepted Jesus' call to walk with him. All because a man invited others to join him on the journey. Today, as your pastor, I dare to aspire to the high mantle of leadership set before me by great spiritual giants like that of Jim Pitts. But I am trying with all my heart. Therefore, I look at each and every one of your faces and I invite you, as Jim did to me, walk with me. Jesus is calling us. Walk with me. Jesus is waiting on your response as well as mine here and now. Walk with me. All who come to Jesus are welcome, and no one will ever be rejected. Friends, walk with me now as we pray. Our God in heaven, we are invited to walk with your son, Jesus Christ. He calls us forward in light and in love, saying that as he was transfigured, so shall we with the heavenly light from above that will infiltrate our face, but yes, God, our heart and our soul and our mind. Oh, how we all want to answer the call of Jesus today, but I sense, Lord, that some may feel trepidation for the journey is not light or for the faint of heart. It takes courage to step out and follow Jesus and to walk with him, and I pray for your courage to enter every and every person so that they might walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn 641, Higher Ground. If you would like to join this church, if you would like to walk with Jesus for the first time, if you would like prayer, I invite you to come and to speak with me.